So welcome back to another episode. We had a super packed motorsport weekend with more than just F1 going on. There was lots of good racing, lots of excitement, quite a bit that I am not uh, caught up on yet. I'm still trying to work through the many hours of Le Mans. Just finished up the IndyCar race. I have yet to watch the F1 race, which is a bit funny to record this. But as much as I want to talk about all that, I will hope to sometime. Today's episode is another one of my short, very quick mini-series discussion that I call the Driver Spotlight. And it is as simple as it sounds. I pick one driver out of all of the racing and F1 history and give you a rundown of their stats, their background, racing records, and the legacy that they left behind, kind of to give you a better picture of their role in the F1 world and to maybe kind of round out your perspective of the sport. And so today's driver is definitely from the earlier era of F1, but someone whose impact is totally still talked about to this day, and that is Jim Clark. So without further ado, let's get going. So Jim Clark was born in 1936, and he's from Scotland. And like I said, and as I will repeat, he's someone who raced really at the very start of Formula One, but he also participated in a wide variety of motorsport series, many of which he was extremely successful in. He was one also of kind of the unfortunate souls who lost their life to motorsport as well. He passed away after a crash in a race in 1968 when he was only 32. And even though he raced at a very different time than many of the greats that we have on the grid now, the ones I've talked about prior to this um, and, and many years before him, Clark is someone who is still considered one of the best of the best. And we'll chat about this conversation and kind of the role of comparing drivers of different eras in a second. But before we get there, let's go through some of his impressive stats. Uh, So for wins, he had 25 of them, which gave him a 34-ish, 35% win rate. He had 32 podiums, 33 pole positions, two championships over nine seasons. He had 72 starts and 274 points over the course of his F1 career. And these are all only F1-specific stats. I'm not including any of the other stats from the external uh, series that he also raced in. So Clark started his racing in local road rallying and hill climb events using his own personal car. So it was nothing flashy, nothing special. I don't think he really started or came from money. He just had a love for racing and got into it, and he was quite good at it from the get-go. And it would be in 1958 where he would have a rather fortunate run-in with someone by the name of Colin Chapman, which if you listen to my last Driver Spotlight episode about Nigel Mansell, you'll recognize this name because Colin Chapman was the founder of the car brand Lotus. So Clark's performance would impress Chapman. He would see Clark race and he would catch his eye. He would give Clark the chance to prove himself at the famed Le Mans race, which again was this last weekend. Um, and Chapman was really quite impressed to give, uh, to give Clark this ride. And he also kind of made the choice from then on, seeing how well Clark did, 
that he wanted to give him a shot in one of his Formula Junior cars. So Formula Junior is an open wheel formula racing class first adopted in October of 1958. And this was intended to provide an entry level class where drivers could use inexpensive mechanical components from ordinary cars to drive. So it was it was kind of the lowest level of the totem pole. The barrier to entry was a lot lower then than it is now for Formula One. And Clark would go on to make his Formula One Grand Prix debut partway through the season of 1960. So only two years after Formula Junior was a thing, and he would do it at the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort. So he actually wouldn't finish that first race, but that did not stop him from dipping his toe in fully to Formula One. His first driver's championship came uh, in 1963, driving the Lotus 25, winning seven out of the 10 races and giving Lotus its first Constructors World Championship. And now this was a record that would stand for a long time until Alain Prost equaled it and not broken until Ayrton Senna in 1988. So as I mentioned earlier, and I think is worth reiterating as we speak about this, is that when we have the conversation about who is the best of all time, the comparisons that we make between, say, Clark and Lewis Hamilton can't fit perfectly because life wasn't the same. They didn't race in the same cars, the same amount of races under the same regulations. There's just too many factors that differ between time periods. Uh, There's less certainty. And so often when this conversation is being had in the wider world, percentages will lend a bit easier time in making the comparison. Although again, it's still not giving the end-all be-all to the discussion. And so I say this because of a comment about judging the scale of the feat of when Clark had this record for winning seven out of the 10 races or having the most dominant season to when Prost or Senna did it. Because Clark's record is seen as favorable compared to Prost and Senna's because the championships had a different number of races in them. In 1963, the championship only consisted of 10 rounds, and Clark winning seven of them gives him a 70% success rate. While 1984 with Prost and 1988 with Senna were run over 16 rounds, and Prost had a success rate of 43.75% and Senna a 50% winning ratio. So Clark also holds the record for the greatest percentage of laps led in a single season, being 71.5% in 1963. So those are just some tidbits, but maybe lend some insight into comparing Clark to other racers in different time periods. Now in 1963, Clark would also participate in the Indy 500, where he came in second, so a very successful debut in that series. And in 1964, it would look like he would be continuing his very solid success rate as he was in the years prior in Formula One, but an oil leak in the final race of the season would allow his then title rival John Surtees to win instead of him. The next year, though, Clark got revenge on both the F1 World Championship and the Indy 500, winning both of them. In doing this, he became the only driver in history to win both of those titles in the same year. 
So there has been quite a few drivers who have won both in different years over the sor- over the course of their career, but never in the same year except for Clark. So he is the one holder of that record. And he would continue racing with Lotus in Formula One, which is the only team he drove for throughout his whole career up until his very untimely death in 1968. And so this happened in Hockenheim in Germany in April, and he was racing for a Formula 2 team at the time, which Formula 2 was not necessarily seen as totally like a junior series as it is today. And since the F1 calendars were sparser, since there was only 10 races in a season, there were open weekends for the drivers to go and participate in other series. And Clark's Lotus Cosworth skidded off the track and somersaulted into a wood at about 170 miles an hour. And it is believed that something mechanical went wrong with the car. I think it was also a wet race. So both of those contributed to the sudden lack of control for him. And I always feel very sad having to talk about drivers losing their lives on track. It's even more disheartening to know how common these occurrences were in the earlier years of motorsport and specifically Formula One. It just makes me more grateful that we have the advancements that we have today. Uh, but it, with Clark and with so many racers who have passed away, like like Senna, it's often that we wonder what he would have achieved had he continued racing. Would he be the greatest ever? Um, and it's something, you know, we'll never find out. Now, I think one of the coolest things about Clark's career and what the format of the Formula One calendar at the time he raced with, allowing him to kind of participate in these different series in F1, he had such a wider spectrum of skills that he was able to hone and to put to use in all these different series. I think he raced in Formula Two. There were several like national-based series that he would go to in Australia, even in his home in the UK. And so he's really remembered for his ability to drive and win in all types of these cars and series, including the Lotus Cortina, which uh, he won the 1964 British Touring Car Championship with, IndyCar Rallying, where he took part in the 1966 Rally of Great Britain in another Lotus, and just all the wider sports cars that he would step into. He even participated in Le Mans in 1959, 1960, 1961. He finished second in class in 1959, driving a Lotus Elite. He finished third overall in 1960. He even participated in NASCAR. So he kind of did it all. And again, while it's difficult and, you know, nearly impossible and futile to compare today's drivers with Clark, it's certainly extremely impressive that he was able to compete so successfully in all of these series. I think that goes to show how genuinely good of a driver he was. He was versatile, adaptive, dependable. He was able to evolve and work with the car that he was given. I think so many times with our current drivers, we will hear them talk about how the car suits one of the drivers on the team really well and not the other one, and so that one who's disadvantaged can't seem to figure it out. Clark seemed to be able to figure out whatever car he was driving and do it at a extremely high level. That's not to say that I don't think there are drivers on our current grid who couldn't do this, but I think Clark was entirely a rare breed of raw solid, impressive talent that made him a force to be reckoned with on track. 
And now if you sit back and kind of look at the percentages of certain aspects of his career, like the number of races won in a season, number of fastest laps, laps led, you'll see why so many people cite Clark in the top tier of drivers in history. The percentages act really as a better barometer for comparing drivers of different eras, as I've said, and Clark definitely stacks up against the greats like Vettel, Hamilton, Senna, and Schumacher. And so I want to end kind of with a picture that motorsport.com put out. So this comment that I'm going to make at the end is total credit to them, not me. I wanted to bring it up simply because I think it demonstrates Clark's skills and explains it in a very simple way. So the scenario they spell out is Clark's total number of laps led is seventh best of all time, behind only those drivers who have started more than two or three times as many Grand Prix as he had. He is also in the top 10 for converting poles into wins 15 times. He, that ranks him seventh alongside Fangio and Nico Rosberg. And if you look at those stats a little closer and look a little deeper, you see the number of times a driver took pole, fastest lap, and a win, however, that moves Clark up to third. So he achieved this special, what they call a hat trick, on 11 occasions, only behind Schumacher and Hamilton, both of them having seven world championships. And now in percentage terms, if you convert that there, he ranks third again, only beaten by Fangio and Ascari. So now motorsport.com looks even a little closer. They look at those who have achieved pole, fastest lap, led every lap, and gotten a victory. And here, everyone seeds best to Clark in absolute terms. For on eight occasions, he was simply in a league of his own from qualifying all the way through to the checkered flag on race day. The only current drivers in the same ballpark are Hamilton, who's done this six times, and Vettel, who's only done this four. And in percentage terms, Ascari is the only one who is slightly ahead of Clark. So in summation of these incredible stats, Clark was, uh, was, was astounding in his talent. It extended far beyond Formula One. He did so much more than just race in one series. He conquered everywhere he went. And it's really a shame to think about that we could have never seen that we have never been able to see what he's accomplished beyond then. But if there's a, a name you should know, I would definitely rank Jim Clark up there in Formula One and in motorsport, uh, the wider history of it. He certainly has earned his place near the top. So thank you for listening to this episode of Formula 101. I will see you soon.